Hi there. Welcome to the Fearless Lady Podcast. I am your host, the Fearless Lady, Charlene Light. When I turned 40, I decided to create a really fun challenge for myself by stepping into my fears 40 different ways. I tackled fears around aging, going after my dreams, and even finding true love. This podcast is about that journey and how it transformed my life and how you can start looking at your fear as an invitation to step into your worth, invite more freedom, joy, and fun back into your life. Life can be an adventure. Live the life of your dreams. Well, hello there. Welcome to episode two of The Fearless Lady. I'm really excited that you're here. Um, I'm actually sitting here in my very own apartment, my studio apartment that I just moved into a week ago. I'm in Los Los Feliz, um, which if you're not familiar with the Los Angeles area of Los Feliz, it's sort of like east of Hollywood and it's in between, I guess, Silver Lake and... Hollywood and then there's like further east which is like Echo Park and things like that. Anyways, I'm really excited because for the past 14 years <laughs> I've lived in a shared apartment space. And while that's totally fine, you know, listen, it's when you're living in New York, I was living in New York for 13 years. It's really normal to have roommates. Most of us who come to New York usually come for a dream or some job or something takes you to New York. I feel like if you're not already born and raised there and there's a lot of artists there and we all have shares and I, you know, I happily did it because my rent was a lot lower and then I just got used to living with other people. And honestly, I want to say after about a year and a half of living in New York, I had a pretty traumatic experience where um, I was mugged and I remember walking into my apartment in Astoria and you know, what really helped because I was, again, away from my family and friends, what really helped was having roommates to come out and support me and be there for me. And I think on some level, there was a little bit of fear of like, what if I was living alone and something really bad happened? Um, You know, it was a lot scarier. Also, like, God forbid something would happen to me, nobody would find me, you know, all of those kinds of thoughts. And listen, if I really had all the money in the world, I would totally live alone (laughs) in New York, don't get me wrong. But there was some comfort knowing that there were other people in the in my home that, you know, if I was sick or, you know, things went wrong, you know, you were always able to rely on, okay, well, there's somebody else here to know if like something would go wrong, they would call the cops or police or whatever. I and mean, I've had all kinds of experiences living with um, roommates, some really awesome experiences. You know, my first roommates were amazing and I'm still in touch with a lot of them. Um, and then I had some not so great experiences where I just, you know, we were just roommates and we never spoke again after I left. And then my last place that I lived in Brooklyn, I really loved my roommate, um, Kathleen, if you're listening shout out to you and it really did feel like it was my own place because I had a really big space and I used it very much like a studio apartment even though we shared the kitchen and the bathroom um, it was just a big enough space that it didn't wasn't an issue you know I really did enjoy living with her the times that I did see her. So anyways, cut to, I moved to LA and, you know, I'm starting all over again as a yoga teacher here and nobody just like, 
you know, gives you classes right away. Um, you have to build that. So luckily my sister who's married with two kids offered up her house and said, you can stay here, um, just to, you know, get you started. So you don't have to deal with rent. So I did that. I was staying in their little office den for four months. And then I went from there and I moved over into the Larchmont area of LA and lived with another yoga teacher who I ended up meeting because we both worked at Equinox. Fast forward to the moment that I find this apartment, I walked in and was blown away. I don't know if you can hear, there's a little bit of an echo because the ceilings are so enormous. It, they're just beautiful and there's so much light and there's so many windows. And I was just like, oh, you know, you just have a feeling about a space where you're like, I can see myself here. Not only can I see myself, but this feels like me. This feels like home. And I just had that feeling the moment I walked in. And of course, it's very reminiscent to like a 1920s building. It reminds me a little bit of New York. It has so much charm. And um, and anyways, it's mine. <laughs> and I moved in a week ago. And when I signed the lease, I realized, wow, I have not had to be on a lease in 14 years. I mean, that is insane. I was always subletting from somebody else. So it's pretty um, remarkable to <laughs> be in this place. And I'm really, really very, very happy, very excited. And uh, it's so funny because little things like, you know, shutting the bathroom door, I'm like, wait, I don't have to shut the door. <laughs> like nobody's, nobody's around. It's okay. Or like, you know, walking around, not, not feeling I have to put on, you know, clothes or, you know, just little things that I just, I was so hyper aware of space like we had to be in New York because if you're living with other people I mean unless you're just not a considerate person like I was just so aware of you know making sure I was if I was going to do anything that was loud making sure nobody was there you know making sure I always did my dishes I would you know just all the things that you do when you live with other people so this is a new chapter for me living on my own again I mean I did have my own place when I was living in New York not New York when I was living in LA before New York, but before I became an artist, before I gave it all up and decided to pursue my dream. So here I am in my own apartment and it feels amazing. But shout out to all of you who are living in with roommates who desire and have dreams of being one day on their own. It is possible. Like I said, I just signed my lease where the apartment's in my name. And I mean, it's it's so crazy. Uh, 14 years. 14 years. Wow. Wow. <sighs> Anyways, getting back to my fearless journey. Um, before I get into this next fearless act, I just want to give you some backstory on why I didn't actually share this act um, on my blog. So as I mentioned, you know, I had started the, the fearless journey in Paris. And I will say that there's something about being somewhere else where you just feel more bold, right? It was a lot easier to to do these fearless acts because I wasn't in my normal, you know, um, everyday environment. You know, initially I was like, yes, I want to step into fear. I want to push my, my boundaries. I want to do things I've never done before. But I really do think at the end of my journey, I was hoping that I would fall in love. 
I was hoping that by stepping into fear 40 different ways, that if there was somehow some, something blocking me from meaning the love of my life, well, certainly stepping into fear 40 different ways will unblock me and then I will draw to me the love of my life. Like I definitely had that, you know, in my mind as like a possible beautiful outcome once this journey was over. So, but I wanted to keep that private, you know, up until, you know, I was, up until I was in my 40s, I really didn't share anything about my private life, whether I was dating anyone. I just was like, I don't want, I just wasn't comfortable sharing that part of myself, you know. Um, I think, for a lot of reasons. I mean, for one, I didn't want people's comments. Um, I didn't want to hear it from anybody because as I'll explain to you, I wasn't somebody that was super boy crazy growing up. I didn't have a lot of boyfriends. I didn't talk about if I was interested in somebody. I was sort of the opposite of what most of my peers were like um, in grade school, in junior high, in high school. Um, I think I had a very idealized view of romantic love, but it certainly wasn't even in my my grand scheme. Like I was never like, oh, I want to, you know, get married. I mean, I did want those things maybe in theory, but when I really think about like action-wise, I was really more concerned with my career. Like I really had a very specific um, purpose. I, I really felt that from a very young age that I was driven to either, you know, be this, you know, big musician, this artist, or I just, I wanted to do so many things with my life. And I think I really thought that being in a relationship or getting married at any point would disrupt my my life plan like it was going to derail me and I couldn't pursue the life that I truly wanted. And I want to talk a little bit about that, you know. So my parents divorced when I was very young, when I was 4, and my dad remarried pretty quickly when I was 6. And then I had this instant new family. I had a stepmom and a stepsister and a stepbrother, and they were all older than me. I have an older sister as well. And my mother, who I lived with predominantly, really, I remember just dating all the time. Like, she was somebody that was always in a relationship. And, you know, when that relationship didn't work out, um, that person would just leave, and then someone else came along. So it was just a constant rotating of new boyfriend, new relationship, new person I had to get used to, and then they would go away. And this happened over and over and over again ever since I was a little girl. So I definitely really remember thinking, like, I don't want to be like her. I don't want to be like my mom. I don't want to have this constant revolving door where I'm going to just be in a relationship, you know, and, and on and on and on. I just always um, observed her behavior around these men as, like, she was different. And not in a good way. And again, maybe it was partly selfish, maybe because I felt like they were taking her away from me. Or maybe I felt like, you know, I think I was always curious, like, what did my mom really want to do with her life? Because it wasn't really clear. I always saw her working jobs, but I always heard her complain about them. So I never really understood, like, did she have a passion? (laughs) What were her dreams? You know, and I think as a young child, it's like we are really influenced by our parents in terms of what are we observing about their behavior? You know, like, are they loving what they're doing or are they just getting by? And for me, I saw my mom 
really struggling and always complaining, not having enough money. She always was very much into appearances, wanting to look good. She would always ask me, brush your hair, do this, you know, and I was so frustrated, like, oh, why do I have to do that? I just want to be me, you know, that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of emphasis on how you looked and how, um, and your status and then always being in a relationship. So I think I really rebelled from that. I was like, I don't want any of those things. None of those things seem important to me. Like men's attention wasn't something that I craved. I didn't care if um, so-and-so liked me in school, like other, like my other friends, you know? I just didn't have that part of me that uh, I just didn't care. But at the same time, I definitely had a fantasy in my mind of like one day, I'm sure I'll meet the man of my dreams and we'll get married and have children. Like I definitely had that, but I didn't really care enough to like, or I didn't worry about it. <laughs> I was just like, whatever, I'm going to focus on, I have a mission in life and that is to fulfill my purpose. I'm not going to let anything stop me. And that includes a relationship. I just saw having a relationship, I guess, as something that could deter you from fulfilling your dreams. So, and my father, although I do, I did observe him, he was always a businessman and he was very successful. And uh, he, I observed him very much loving what he was doing because he's male. I don't think it affected me in the same way as growing up with my mom. I just remember feeling like I don't, want to be like her and I know that sounds terrible but I think for me I felt very different I was super creative as a child I, I remember because I was the youngest and my sister at the time was older than me and I think she just didn't really want to have anything to do with me <laughs> that's that's like the older sister she just didn't so I was alone a lot and I didn't mind being alone because I had a very vivid imagination and I was always creating you know whether it was right I was writing plays or I was a teacher and I was creating songs or I was rearranging my room and I believed that everything everything in my room had a life so if like my alarm clock died I wanted to have a funeral for it um I was really obsessed with like, you know, just constantly creating. I remember being the kid on my block where I was the one that came up with all the good fun games, you know, and like I had this idea that like we were gonna be in a band and then I was like, okay, now we have to go find stuff in our garage and go door to door and sell it. And like, I was the kid who, you know, when you had to sell stuff from school, like candy bars and stuff, I was always like, when I would knock on people's door and say, hey, you know, you wanna buy this candy bar? I wouldn't do it like that. I actually create a whole like skit <laughs> and like, you know, be like, would you like to buy this delicious, you know, and I would go all into it. And anyways, they loved it and they would buy all of them. So I really was just very determined at a very young age, like this, like I know I meant for something great and nothing is going to stand in my way, especially a man. <laughs> but again, you know, if one comes along, that's really great. Then of course, you know, I'll be happy to like bring him along. But I think I definitely saw being in a relationship or having a man in my life as something that would stop me from living my dreams. You know, my parents, even though they're divorced and they got divorced very young, they're very traditional in that no matter what I was doing in my life, it, it was always centered around, do I have 
Am I dating somebody? Have I met somebody? You know, when am I going to meet someone? Am I doing anything to meet someone? Am I on these apps or am I going out? Like every conversation was surrounded by am I meeting somebody and what am I doing about it? Like my dad even offered to get me a matchmaker. I mean, they were just obsessed with this idea that I needed to be with someone. So my whole life, no matter what I was doing, whether I'm pursuing my dream, whether I'm, you know, I was telling my dad, oh, I um, sold out on this retreat, whatever. Okay, that's great. But, you know, have you met anybody? <laughs> you know, everything was about have I met somebody and when am I going to meet someone? To the point where I finally broke down and really had to say, you cannot ask me that question anymore. This was about maybe I was like 35, 36, and I just finally put my foot down. I finally created a boundary with my mother in particular and told her, like, you can't. I even had to say, you asking me that question is like you putting a knife in my heart. You don't think I want those things. I do, but you cannot keep badgering me because you make me feel like shit. <laughs> and really, you know, my mom was just projecting onto me her own fears of being alone. Like she, I don't think I ever remember her being fully single. I remember her going from one relationship to the next. And so for her, probably looking at me, she couldn't fathom how I could be alone for so long and not be on the search for a relationship. I know what I said probably hurt her. And for a lot of the conversation, she couldn't get past that. But I think she finally did hear me and she stopped asking, which was great. And but that doesn't mean that I didn't internalize this idea that there was something wrong with me. And I'd want to talk about that, actually, because I do think that there's this society's pressure on women in particular that if you are single, there is something wrong with you. And it's just unbelievable to me that it's just because, like, it's assuming that everybody in a relationship is perfect or something, which is like ridiculous. It's like you cannot be a single woman and want a relationship and, and not have somebody go, well, what are you doing about it? Or God forbid you should actually just want to work on yourself or pursue the things you want in life and like not be so focused on like finding a, a, a mate or a relationship. It just, anyways, I can go on and on and on, obviously, but my point was I became super private about, it, be, private about it because I did not want anyone to judge me, to give me their opinion. I just, I couldn't handle it because I had enough with my own family putting so much pressure on me to find somebody, like just find anybody, you know? So getting back to when I was 40 and I decided to do this challenge, and I think deep down, I really did think, well, maybe there is something wrong with me because I do want to be in a relationship. I do want to get married. I want all of these things. I want to fall in love, really. And since it hasn't happened for me yet, well, then maybe there's something that I'm doing that's blocking it, you know? And if I were to take this step and, and really, like, like um, go deep and figure out, like, what is it that I'm truly afraid of? Um, maybe at the end of this journey, I really will fall in love. And what's so beautiful, actually, now that I hear myself say that, is I truly began to fall in love with myself. 
um, during the process. And I know that sounds so trite and so like, oh, please, like some of you might be rolling your eyes, but it really is the truth. I think that when you, when you discover, you know, like I had mentioned before, when you step into fear, you illuminate every other dark emotion as, as well. And that fear has um, a story attached to it. And there's so many layers to it. So when you start to unravel those layers and you realize what the root cause of that fear was, which truly is just protection, you start to have a lot more compassion for yourself and for why you are the way you are. And then you really start to fall in love with yourself because you're like, oh, I see. I understand like why I put a block on my heart. I understand that I, I in some way had a broken heart from a very young age because of all those relationships that my mother was in that I had to also be in, you know? Um, and then they would just leave. And that was it, you know? I mean, I think that movie Boyhood is probably the most accurate depiction of what it's like to grow up in a divorced family because, you know, at some point, you know, Patricia Arquette's character, she meets that guy, they get married, and then, you know, it's like years go by, and you feel like, okay, this is my family, and then all of a sudden, they get divorced, and literally, like, she, you, there's that scene where, like, she just takes her and her kids and drives off, and they never see that family again, they never see that, that stepfather again, I mean, it's devastating, you know, and I think I absolutely understand now why I am the way that I am, and, um, so anyways, all of that to say, when I turned 40, I really wanted to figure it out by doing this stuff, but also I wanted to keep this part of it private because I had so much shame around being 40 and being single. And not just being single, but being single for so long. Um, I think I was afraid of sharing that and you know, people giving me advice and like telling me I needed to do this and that. Like, I didn't want to hear it. So I'm like, I'm just not going to share it. And I have to say that I was in relationships before. Um, I definitely dated a ton while I was in New York, but I never really gave my heart to anyone. I always felt like I was single, even though I was dating someone or even when I was in a relationship for a few years. And I think there was always something in the back of my mind aware of the connection with how I was raised and having those thoughts, but I never really did the work to unblock it. I just had a tremendous amount of shame. And if you understand anything about shame, shame wants to stay secret. That's how shame grows. And when you, I just became so petrified of like telling anybody the truth that I was single for so long and I was embarrassed by it and I felt like I didn't really understand why and I would just tell people, you know, as a defense, you know, oh, I haven't met the right guy yet or I don't really care about that. Um, but in truth, it was a huge block. Um, that shame, that shame was something that I lived with for years until I really decided at 40 to lift that shame. And Underneath the shame was tremendous pain, and I had to deal with that, and there was some liberation, but honestly, it wasn't until I moved back home last year and about six months ago when I really started to work through some of this stuff, like what was at the heart of 
the real pain and and it's given me so much clarity and it's so liberating at this point in my life to just not have any fucking shame about it at all, to be proud. Okay, so now I'm going to jump into, that's the reason why I didn't share this next fearless act, but I'm going to start to share it with you now. So I'm in Paris and this is like day three. And I was like, okay, today I'm going to introduce myself to 50 strangers. And I picked 50 because I was like, that sounds like a lot of people, but I also am somebody that likes a challenge. And I figured, you know, 10 is not enough. 20 isn't even enough, but 50, like that's, that's really bold. That's going to keep me busy all day. So my first stop was I went to this little cafe. It was like a bakery actually. And that was my thing. I mean, listen, I'm in Paris. I'm normally gluten-free in the States, but in Paris, for whatever reason, I can eat as much as I want, all the bread, all the croissants, and nothing happens to me. And it's amazing. So I just eat like, oh, I eat like, I've just discovered bread before in my life. It's amazing. So I'm sitting there at this bakery and I'm having this most delicious, you know, chocolate croissant, whatever. And I look over and there's a table of four guys and they're all laughing, having a good time, eating croissants or whatever. And I'm like, all right, well, I can knock four out right now. So I'm like, what am I going to say to these people? And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to wing it. And this is where, again, when you're in a foreign land or when you're not in your normal everyday routine, it's, I don't know, there's some, there's a different energy. And at least for me, I felt like, I just felt on fire anyway. Because like I said, I had never taken a vacation for myself in all that time. And I'm wearing dresses every day and I'm feeling like I look amazing. I'm like, I'm going to walk up to this group of guys and I'm going to just introduce myself, right? So I go up to them and I said, hi, I'm Charlene. I just wanted to introduce myself and let you know, or what did I say? Something like I'm, I'm, you know, living in New York and I'm here for my 40th birthday. And like two of the guys literally dropped whatever they were eating. I think they were just like shocked. Like, who is this girl <laughs> just walking up and sharing? First of all, that I'm there alone. Second of all, my age, I don't think it's, I mean, I'm 40 and I just don't think that's something, I mean, I don't know. Most people are afraid to say that they're 40, right? But I'm like, hi, I'm 40. I'm here to celebrate my birthday. I just want to choose myself. Anyways, and then, so they were all very nice. Like, well, come sit down. And I was like, oh, right, sit down. Again, I was like, I didn't expect that, you know? So I sit down, we're talking. Turns out they're all from England. I think they're from Manchester or Birmingham. I can't remember. So they have these very delightfully charming accents. Um, they're telling me they're only there for the day. They decided to take the train in just to come in. And they're doing what's called like a bakery crawl. Like, you know what a pub crawl is. So basically... It's, they're doing a bakery call. They're going to stop in all these different bakeries, eat all this stuff, and then go back home. And I'm like, that sounds awesome, <laughs> right? These are my kind of guys. Um, so we start chatting. I don't really remember what they were saying, but there was one guy in particular that was pretty cute. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then I was like, and then in my mind, I'm thinking because I'm so like, I've got to like hit the road. I've got, you know, 46 other people I have to introduce myself, you know, and I made that comment and they all laughed and I'm like, so I better go. But it was so lovely meeting you guys. Enjoy your bakery crawl, you know, and I left and I turned around and I just went to like, I don't know, maybe three little cafes down on the same street. I walk in. I sit down and I'm like smiling to myself like this is so great like who else am I going to meet you know and I'm like in this like la la land you know whatever fantasy in my head and then about 10 minutes rolls by and the guy that I thought was pretty cute he walks in and I looked up and I was like 
hey, he's like, hey, he's like, you know, I just, I, I'm only here for, you know, the day. And I don't know if you ever saw that movie before sunrise, but I was thinking that maybe we can just spend the day together until I have to get back on the train. Now, I have to tell you, before sunrise with Ethan Hawke and Julie Delphi is one of my all-time favorite movies. Like I am I love that movie. I love all three of those movies. If you've never seen this movie, you have to rent all three of them. Actually, was there a fourth one? No. Before Sunrise, Before Sunset and then Before Midnight, I think it's the third one trilogy. Anyways, it's an excellent excellent movie about, you know, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delphi. They meet when they're in Europe and they um, Ethan Hawke decides to ask Julie Delphi if she would get off the train and they'd you know, spend the day together and they end up falling in love. I mean, it's just this beautiful movie, right? So, of course, I can't tell him that I think it's the best movie ever, but so I'm like playing it cool. I'm like, oh, right, before sunrise, that's with Ethan Hawke. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm like totally playing it cool. I'm like, yeah, no, that sounds great. And so I was like, awesome. So we get up. I mean, there was a moment where I thought, well, shit, if I spend all day with this guy, I won't get to my 50 people. I mean, I literally thought that, you know, because I'm so like, ugh, whatever. But I'm like, no, 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 no. This is about like also being in the moment. Like sometimes your plans change. Like let life, you know, um, play with you, right? So I say yes. I can't even remember this guy's name. Um, we'll just call him Happy, right? Because he was very happy, by the way, um, especially to that I said yes. So we, we leave the cafe and then I started to get really happy, too, because I'm like, I'm in Paris. I'm going to have this really romantic day. And he just named, like, my favorite movie of all time. And we're going to have this romantic day. This is going to be awesome, right? Expectation, expectation. I couldn't just, like, let myself enjoy the moment. So anyways, we're walking through Paris. And um, I don't know, somehow we end up in this other cafe. And we're just chit-chatting. And I honestly, what do I remember about this guy? I remember that he, oh, he said he was a pharmacist. Um, that he didn't really like his, what he was doing with his life, that he wanted to do something more meaningful. I mean, I feel like that's everybody's story, right? And then we, and then I started to tell him what I'm doing, and he was like, that's so great, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, about, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes in, I'm thinking, okay, this doesn't quite feel like that movie, <laughs> You know, but I mean, I'll go along with it and I'm laughing at all his jokes. I mean, even if they weren't funny and I'm, you know, trying my best to like flirt, you know, which I don't really know how to do. I mean, unless it's authentic, but let's be real. I was just like, I'm in Paris. I'm just going to laugh at everything you say. And you're so cute, even though I don't know if I really even thought he was cute. You know, it's so funny, though, because retelling this story I told my friends when I got back but you should have heard me I mean I was like it was so great and da 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 and then now four years later I'm like was it really great you know <laughs> I mean the idea was great I mean it was anyway so we're talking blah 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 and then about an hour it goes by and he kept trying to get me to go back to my apartment right he said something like well do you need to get anything from your airbnb and i said no and then he's like oh and then like he kept trying like subtly i mean really not so subtly he was trying to get me to go back to my apartment and once i realized that i was starting to really kind of lose interest but i was like oh just you know i was trying to lead it like this is not like the movie dude like we are supposed to have this really 
deep conversation about our lives and you know in the movie he did not try to get into her pants at all like they were (laughs) really connecting so like get it together you picked the wrong movie if you would have said like I don't know remember that movie Top Gun like what I mean I don't know Top Gun just came to my mind because they're doing a second one recently but you know what I'm saying like he picked the wrong movie like come on they talked the whole time until the very 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 end do not try to get in my pants after just an hour of talking to me dude you know so okay so we start walking walking and then I think at a certain point he realized okay it's probably not going to happen so he says to me (laughs) you know I think I should probably head back to my friends and I was like why he's like well I'm just too attracted to you to continue you know talking like this um you know I just feel bad because yeah, if it, basically, like, if it's not going to happen, um, I'm going to go back with my friends. So I stop, and I was like, now, I th- now I'm going to be real with you. There was a part of me that was like, okay, go. Like, I don't care, right? I'm like, I'll go back to introducing myself to, you know, the 46 other people. But the other part of me thought, well maybe, maybe I can make out with this guy. Like, let's see what that's like, right? So I said to him, well, you haven't tried. And he was like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you haven't even tried to kiss me, you know? And he was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, well, why don't we head back to um, my area? We There's like a really nice park or whatever. Because, you know, like right in the middle of the walkway, not like it matters in Paris. I mean, I'm sure people are making out <laughs> everywhere. But I'm like, I want to make out in a park where it's a little private. So we head back and um, sure enough, we're at the park. We start making out, whatever. And I'm like thinking about, I don't know, random stuff, you know, because I really, I, to be honest, I wasn't really that into him. And the conversation was a little bit like, uh, turned me off. Like, again, this isn't, you're not, you're not fitting the part, dude. Like you picked the wrong movie again. <laughs> like Before Sunrise was a fucking great movie. And you're right now just wanting to get into my pants. Like, I don't know what this movie is, but it's not the one I was thinking about. Right. So anyways, make out, make out, whatever. And then I did not sleep with him, but uh, we made out a little bit more. And then I was like, okay, I think you should go. And he's like, okay, okay, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I'm sure, blah, blah, blah. And then he leaves. And then I was like, okay. And I just, it's funny because, again, when I was retelling that story, I really was so taken by how I just kind of created that out of nothing like if I hadn't walked up to those guys introduced myself and you know and then left and then I wouldn't have had this whole experience with this guy I mean now as I think about it like I'm an attractive woman (laughs) like walking up to these guys like I'm sure they're like well I mean why wouldn't he think that? Like, I'm there alone, you know, it's my 40, he's probably like, all right, you know, Um, so of course, why wouldn't he try, you know, so I can't fault him for trying, not, you know, for trying to disrupt my, you know, PG movie into like an R-rated, you know, one night stand kind of thing, which is fine, again, I'm not judging anybody who wants to do that, but for me, I wasn't into it, you know, I'm not going to sleep with you just to sleep with you, I really have to feel like a true connection. Or something, you know. Anyway, so he left. And this was around almost sundown. And again, I don't remember his name other than we're calling him Happy. right? Although maybe he wasn't as happy. Oh, please. Let me tell you. He left happy, I'm sure. So it's really funny, though, 
I didn't share that story again because I was thinking like, how can I spin it to it being really romantic and wonderful? And I really was at a place where I wanted a happy ending, you know? Oh, then we exchanged numbers and we became pen pals or then we, you know, fell in love over the course of, you know, like I was wanting this beautiful romantic movie to take place. And in reality, it was sweet and innocent and fine, but it wasn't like, so I didn't quite know how to share that in a way that um, would spin it to a happy ending, you know, because I was still in the very beginning stages of this journey. And that's what I was looking for. It was like how to spin it to what's the lesson here, you know, and I didn't have one. And I also didn't want to share that personal um, account of me making out with this random guy in Paris um, because I was like, I don't want people to say I don't know what they were going to say, but I wasn't prepared to hear it. So that was the end of that. And I never did uh, introduce myself to 46 other people. But um, on my actual birthday, on my 40th birthday, I had dinner. Oh, so beautiful. I had dinner overlooking the Seine River and Notre Dame. And they were playing live music. And it was just perfect. I mean, I had dinner outside. It was like, it was a, it really felt like a dream. Like, wow. Like I, I couldn't believe I was sitting in Paris and, um, and I felt so beautiful. I really did feel like I was glowing from the inside out. And, um, so, you know, and everybody, I mean, literally like I got hit on so many times, it was ridiculous, but, um, I was leaving that restaurant and this other guy comes up to me, like swoops up to me and was like, start talking to me, and okay, and, and he's like, we should have a drink, and you're so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, so we have a drink, and I'm telling him it's my birthday, and you know, he was fine, you know, whatever, but again, it was like, when we were leaving, you know, he starts, we start making out, and he's like, you know, should I get you, should we get a taxi and go back to your place? I said, you can get me a taxi, but I'm gonna go home, <laughs> and he was like, okay, and I'm like, but, you know, thank you. You know, thanks for the birthday kiss or whatever. And then I left. And the funny thing about that guy, who I can't remember his name, is when I got back to the States, he found me on Facebook and messaged me, um, which I didn't find out months later because it's like, you know how when you, don't, when you aren't friends with somebody, it goes into your other folder? Um, so months later I saw and it was like, you know, multiple messages like, oh, I had such a great time and I wish we could have had more time together and I wish, you know, all this stuff and let's talk, let's FaceTime or not FaceTime. What did they say? Oh, like on WhatsApp, like where you can, um, you know, face call or whatever. And I'm just like, what is up? You know, and it, it's so funny though, how, and I hear this all the time with like French men. It's like, you don't really date. You just like literally start you make out with someone and then all of a sudden you're in a relationship and I definitely felt that um when I was there which is so funny so anyways that was kind of a fun fearless act and that concludes this week's episode of the fearless lady podcast I'm so glad that you guys listened and thank you for all the wonderful feedback so far and if you are interested in doing your own fearless journey, I would love to be your guide. So please click on the link below, the Fearless Lady Coach, and sign up for a free discovery call. And you can be on your way of towards freedom, joy, and self-worth. <laughs>
I also want to add that I am doing a yoga retreat to the south of France, Provence, seven days, six nights, May 9th to the 15th. It's going to be amazing. And I would love for you to come. So if you are interested, I'm going to post a link um, for that as well for you to join us. And I will leave you with a love song called Feels Like Love. He knows my eyes like his own. Says I feel like home. He places my hand to his. 